If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're going to be winners. The talent for so many players today, the talent in the spotlight, it's taking them to heights that their character's not strong enough to support. I'm one of those set goals achievements. I talked about faith, passion, and obviously the drive with the guys that I've been around and the guys that surround me every single day. If I want to be one of the best, I've got to play with and against the best. Okay, so that which gets praised gets repeated. You're listening to The Hardwood Hustle, brought to you by PGC Basketball. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to the Hardwood Hustle, broadcasting from the beautiful state of Oregon. I'm your host, Adam Bradley, normally alongside TJ Rosine, but today I am going solo. Got a special guest uh, joining me here in a moment. Before we do, let's catch up with our friends over at Shot Tracker. Our friends over at Shot Tracker are changing the game with their new revolutionary technology that is making basketball more efficient and effective at all levels. Shot Tracker is made up of three components there's a Shot Tracker enabled ball, player sensors, and anchors in the rafter. And combining them all gives you high level, detailed analytics to be able to track everything your players are doing, spacing, movement, shot efficiency. It's absolutely incredible. Check out ShotTracker.com to learn more about how you can get connected to ShotTracker and begin changing the game for your team. All right, I'm excited for today's episode. Kyle, how you doing? I'm doing really well. Yeah, great. We've got Kyle Cowan, uh, head coach of Portland Christian. Also, wears multiple hats. He's the AD of Portland Christian here in Oregon. Uh, he's the vice president of the OADA, Oregon Athletic yep. Director Association. Yep. And, and we are here at the OADA annual conference. And, and you and I have been able to connect. And here's why I'm so excited, because... You told me you've been listening to the Harwood Hustle yes, since sir. the beginning, yes, right? Sir. And it was Alan and I. Yep. That's five years strong, and you're not sick of it yet? <laughs> no, oh, not yet. Man, it's so good. That is so good. It gets so, better. Good, good. And honestly, I, I wish TJ was here because I know TJ would love to meet you and, and probably vice versa. Um, but there's a variety of different things I want to get into. Um, I want to start with just the topic you and I have been talking about a lot recently, um, the shot clock yes sir okay shot clock shot clock and, and i bring that up because we've talked on past episodes about the need for a high school shot clock and rolling it out nationwide and people i mean there's people around the country that fight for it. you know paul being a cardi right we had him on as a guest from espn i mean he fights for it maybe harder than anyone i even know You've been fighting pretty hard in the state of yep. Oregon. In fact, you said last year you lobbied aggressively to try to get a shot clock implemented. Uh, it went to vote, and it didn't get passed. With the athletic directors, correct. With the athletic directors. Yes. How, how – what was the – I mean, was it like 51-49? Was it – No, it was more like 70-30. Get out yeah. of here. Yeah. It was it, – it, if it kind of fell on its face with the athletic directors for multiple reasons. But um, – well, like what? Uh, there, there's things like costs associated with it. You know, everybody's going to have to implement that shot, the shot clocks into their facilities and retrofit their boards or whatever needs to happen to make that work within their gyms. Then it's a question of how many gyms do we do our auxiliary gym? Do we do our upper gym? Do we do it for all levels? Do we do it just for varsity? Uh, there's all sorts of those questions. Then there comes the the questions of uh, manning the shot clock and having quality people running the shot clock because now it becomes a vital part of the game and is that gonna are we gonna find those people in our communities to to run that um 
there's uh, the cost associated with paying that person to run that. And, uh, and then the last being just the official side of things. Are the officials going to, because we haven't had it in Oregon, are they going to be trained in proper mechanics to, to identify violations or identify when it's not ran properly? And so there's a lot that goes into that piece as well. And I also heard that it also affects something with your voting. Is that correct? That, that if you pass this, and this was new to me, mm-hmm. explain that one. It's part of the NFHS. So, you know, being NFHS dividing into sections, we are part of Section 8, which is uh, Alaska, Washington, Oregon, Idaho, Montana. And if we go against what the Federation rules, are we lose our say in the votes for the uh, basketball committee with nfhs so there are a number of states across across the country that have the shot clock and what they've done is they forfeited their uh, right to be involved in voting process for the nfhs my thought just being an outsider looking in well if enough uh Groups put the shot clock in. Maybe the federation will have to change the rule, exactly. right? Because then no one else will be yeah. available to vote. Yeah. It's been talked about uh, at the national level for sure with the NFHS. You know, it comes up all the time. Um, uh, I'm the vice president as well of the Oregon Basketball Coaches Association, and and going to the national. Uh, convention for the NHSBCA, they're always bringing it up mm-hmm. and trying to push it to the NFHS, and it's just it, it, nobody's really ready to pull the trigger. Interesting. I wonder if the seventy percent that voted for it, if they actually want it. I wonder, mm-hmm. like costs aside and some of the dynamics aside, I wonder from a basketball mm-hmm. perspective if they actually want it. I, good, I feel like they'd want it. It's a good question. Be, the coaches in our state want it. Yeah. We've uh, surveyed. And why our, do you want them? Why do I want? I want it because I feel like there's. Uh, it changes the way that you coach in, in a more positive way for the kids. So obviously, without the shot clock, I've used it to my advantage to to pull the pull the game out and and kind of burn the clock a little bit when I when I have a lead, whether it's the end of a quarter, end of regulation, whatever. But. I don't feel that's necessarily the best for the kids or for the game because hmm. it's not the way the game is going. And um, we just recently adopted three-man crew officials for basketball here in Oregon, which is, again, another step in the right direction for basketball. And as far as the shot clock goes, as a coach, I would rather coach in that environment. I'd rather use my my uh, strategy with my team and, and get my kids to buy into all the aspects of the positives with the shot clock mm-hmm. and i think it was, it was interesting i shared this earlier you know i guess i shared earlier that i was coming out on to oregon on twitter and, and there's a player <laughs> yeah. don't i don't know the yeah. player all right but the player plays oregon high school basketball and he said hey adam while you're out there can you please ask them if we can get a shot clock right this is coming from a player right yeah. so I, I feel like players actually want a shot clock as well i think they would i think they would enjoy that type of game i mean it 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 does change the way the game is played, and, and they would enjoy that environment. It's funny. We had a, a coaching clinic two years ago when we were really pushing this um, here in Oregon, and we had a Los Angeles Clippers assistant coach come up. I can't remember his name at time, right now, but he was up giving a speech. J.P. Clark. Um, I think it was one of their skills trainers. Okay. But anyways. It was he, a shot in the dark. It was. It was close. Um, he came up and heard we were pushing the shot clock. It, he was like chastising the crowd for why on earth do you not have a shot clock and i mean it it just it seems like 
that's the progression of the game. And it is, yeah. right? And it is. And, and I think it probably does surprise a lot of novice fans, mm-hmm. right? They're just not super familiar. They're probably like, oh, there's not a shot clock? How, yeah. how are they able to just waste time like that? Yeah. You know, yeah. like that doesn't seem fair. And it's, you know, it doesn't pass the mom test, right? Mm-hmm. The mom in the crowd look and say, that just doesn't seem right. That the team is just yeah. wasting time. That's okay? right. That's so, right. well, listen, keep fighting it. Yep. Right, keep fighting. Going to. You know, I, I hope you all can get it at some point. You've got a little work to do because you're seventy to thirty That's against right. <laughs> you. Okay, um, but just keep fighting for it because I, I think it, it's good for the game of basketball to, mm-hmm. to incorporate that. But let's talk about you. So you're a state champion coach, right? You get to say that. Fortunately, yeah, twenty twelve. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah, how special was the run was that? It was it was amazing. Uh, the the kids on the team. I, I've often told people I think a monkey could coach that team mm-hmm. because they were so uh, focused and dedicated and. and and a lot of that stemmed from the prior year, uh, early elimination from the state playoffs, wa- going to watch the state tournament and seeing teams playing the state championship game that they had beaten two out of three times each team. You know, they felt like they were kind of gypped in the moment. And so bringing everybody back the next year, it was just a, a dedicated focus, just there was nothing to derail that. Hmm. It's interesting. All right, so we, on a previous episode, had Coach Gary Hall, yep. who is obviously a legend here in Oregon. And in 2012, you beat him. <laughs> yeah. Okay, which yep. is funny um, for you, not yeah. for him. <laughs> uh, but it's also interesting because Gary's team lost a heartbreaking loss in the championship the yeah. year before they won just recently, and the same happened to you. Mm-hmm. I wonder, is your team strong enough to win, mentally tough enough to win in 2012 without a loss in 2011? Is that just – do you think that's needed for a lot of these players to get I, to that level? I think it is. I think it, it – uh, whether it's it's the success of a moment that brings people together to come back for another year of it or it's a failure in the moment, it's not that mediocrity that gets you there, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I feel like it's, it's that success that continues to drive you or it's that failure that you either decide you're going to get back up and and be focused or not and uh you know that's that was what that team was interesting that encourages me and one of my teams we lost a tough tough regional championship game and it was a heartbreaker on winning overtime and this team was projected to make it back to states and make a run for it and and it was tough and we've got two sophomores that are d1 guys and i'm hoping what you just said is that that loss is is going to be the thing that fuels them yeah it can or it can just completely dis- demolish it for you but so, you've got to have a, the right perspective from that what is that right perspective it's hard to say i mean because not everybody finds that but i i really feel like when it it pulls people together then and they and they get to know each other what that goal is in the end it it fuels them together could you can you try to pinpoint and reflect back i mean at this point seven years ago so it's been a little while but like can you refer back and remember what buttons you pushed you know to kind of to get them fired back up and and to get them fired i mean can you go bring it up uh, you (laughs) You know honestly i I would bring it up and and remind them frequently well if i needed to in practice or in a game you know there was moments where i would remind them that we aren't here to just go through the motions you know you guys have made a commitment at the beginning of the year that this is the way we want it to go you have to follow that path you can't derail from that and you know it took a little bit of nudging here and there they did it most of the time themselves okay but there was moments where i had to whether it was a game we were losing when we shouldn't be at halftime or uh, a practice that came in you know less than best effort 
and then we're going to we're going to refocus and get back on track. Let's talk about some of the dynamics that you have because you you've got a variety of dynamics that you have to manage that a lot of coaches don't have to manage. Uh, one of which is you wear the multiple hats of being an AD mm-hmm. and a coach. Mm-hmm. What's the, what's the toughest part about that for you? Being balanced with everybody. Um, for me, is you know I can really focus and dial in on my team, but. I've got to be balanced with all my teams and, and support everybody equally and give everybody their their due and what they deserve and what they're working towards and providing the best opportunity for my volleyball team and my track team and my golf team and along with mine. But being able to just support them wholeheartedly and everything they're doing, that's a challenge sometimes because you get focused on your what you're doing mm-hmm. and what your aspirations are. And so that's, that's a challenge. And, and you also deal with the challenge of not having your own facility. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We don't have our own gym. Oh, um, it's tough. It is. It's terrible. But, um, <laughs> I, I, at a previous school I was at, we also didn't have our own facility, so I'm familiar with oh, okay. it, but, um, you know how to pick them. I know how to pick them. Yeah. <laughs> they our our gym's too small, but what we have right now is a great connection with another facility. That's only about 10 minutes away, but is is great for us are you able to create a home court advantage there it's tough i mean first of all we're a commuter school in the portland metro area so kids are coming from all different angles of the city i mean they have kids coming from from washington and vancouver we have kids coming from the west side of town coming from the east side south side everywhere so our gym may only be 10 minutes from school but it adds another 10 minutes to an already 40 minute trip Mm. and so um for kids to really commit to coming to games or whatever that's that's a challenge what about that dynamic of kids coming from all over do they all know each other or not, you have not until they get to school yeah i was gonna say i <laughs> yeah. mean these aren't kids yeah. that like grew up together right. where they played in the same system other yeah. than we do have an elementary school where you know the, the core of kids probably are there but okay. we we add pieces every year new kids come into the school and just you know we kids leave come in whatever happens but, but they're meeting their teammates they're meeting their teammates for, for the yeah. first time yeah it's okay. not a community uh program and even i was at a private school in a in a much more rural area but prior to this and you know you, you still knew kids and you knew people because you maybe went to elementary school or you met them in the park but being in the metro area you could come from anywhere is that an advantage or a disadvantage compared to your other 2a schools i think it's an advantage personally an advantage? Be, just because i have the ability to draw from numerous amounts of kids whereas in my classification which is smaller classification in oregon I'm, I'm competing against rural communities that really they have their communities and that that's difficult for them I, I would love to do I wish I had the time and to do like a case study on that right because I, I feel like when we when we had coach Hall on he had a group of kids that had known each other for a really really mm-hmm. long time this core that built this camaraderie and this love for one another and it proved to produce a championship yep. for him you're saying okay I, I, I get this benefit of collecting talent well, from various it has the places. potential to have the benefit it okay. doesn't always work that way okay you know you could you could draw kids from all over but again you lose out on that that uh, continuity of having the same teammates same friends same everything my son's in elementary school right now and, and much like Gary alluded to my, I hope he can continue with his friends throughout so by the time he gets to high school he's gonna have a great experience but again in the metro area where you can have any pole in any direction we'll see if i can hold on to his friends interesting interesting all right kyle i got a few more things for you but let's take a quick halftime break with our friends at team snap and then we'll jump into the second half thanks to our friends over at team snap for today's halftime communication tip coaches i'd like to share with you a communication exercise called retracing 
before you had that conversation with the player or with your fellow coach, retrace the past one, two, three, four conversations you've had with that individual. What was the theme of that conversation? So for example, let's say there's a player that you need to critique and address something with that player today. That's totally fine and maybe that conversation has to happen. But what did your previous couple conversations look like? Were you addressing things with them at that time also? Were you having stern, serious conversations in those moments? And would today be maybe the third or fourth in a row of the same theme? Retracing our communication allows us to break up any unhealthy patterns. So maybe today, despite the fact that it needs to be addressed, because of the fact that you've addressed two or three different things on recent conversations, maybe today you you just love on your player and you save that critique until tomorrow. Because if you put them all together in a consecutive row, it could actually create some type of damage. It could really damage the player and have that player think, man, coach is just always getting on me. Like every the last week, every time he's talked to me, he's always got on me and addressed something. Sometimes retracing our communication will allow us to have more effective and healthier communication today. Thanks to our friends over at TeamSnap. Make sure you check out TeamSnap.com backslash hustle to learn more about the communication app being used by over 15 million people across the globe. That's TeamSnap.com backslash hustle. So Kyle, 17 years coaching, um, 12 of those with boys, five of those with girls. Let's yep. talk about that dynamic. All right, mm-hmm. Do you prefer coaching one over the other? I mean, obviously, it's been more years with boys. Yeah, I, I enjoy coaching boys more for the sake of I can relate okay. to what they're going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are definite benefits and disadvantages to, to both, right? Like coaching girls, uh, I, I say this, they're they're very literal. They take what you say. And they do it. And that's good and bad because you could lead them down the wrong path, right? But uh, in the same time, they're doing what you want them to do. Whereas boys, um, they take what you say and say, I I might find a better way. And, you know, that's good and bad because maybe there is a better way. But for the most part, they're, you know, then, then sometimes they go against what you want them to do. So it's good and bad. But I enjoy coaching boys just for the fact that I've, I've been in their shoes. Fair. Yeah. That's fair. And and you, Portland Christian is, of the 17 years, how many years, or how many different schools in the 17 years have you been Three. In? Three. Three. Okay, so this is your third one. Yep. Yep. Take me through some of the decisions over the years to leave a school yep. to go. Is, is it, coaches are always looking for the next opportunity, right? I, I think sometimes to a detriment of coaches that, that they're always thinking the next opportunity is the better opportunity. Right. Was that a little bit of what you were kind of just trying to just continue building to a greater bigger opportunity or not necessarily okay. not in terms of coaching um so 20 i started coaching in, in 2001 and um 2012 won the state championship like we talked about uh and that was at a private school and in, in a rural area and so that wasn't with portland christian no sir okay. no who, it, who was that with? it was with eastland christian okay okay and uh my family my wife and i had our third kid and you know private schools don't pay the best and so I thought, okay, I need to get my wife home and not have to work, and I can support my family better. So I went and worked at, went and got a job at a public school uh, on the east side of Oregon. And I went from – so I was right after state championship. You know, I just – The year done, after? The year after. And it hmm. wasn't a basketball decision, and I felt terrible doing that to my kids on my team, but I felt like I had to do that for my family. Wow. And um, – 
went into public education, obviously made more money and enjoyed that, uh, and went from coaching boys back to coaching girls. Uh, in a, so you left a boy state champion yep, team to, a, to go to public schools to then coach a girls team. Who, who had won two games the year before I got there. Okay. And um, Certainly wasn't a basketball decision. No, it was not. Okay, fair. No. Uh, spent two years there, and... Um, and honestly, I realized what I was missing in Christian education. I, I, I missed that community that that was in a Christian school and the support I had um, just for my family and I. And then at the same time, my oldest was getting into school age and wanting him to be in a, in a private school, Christian yeah. school. And so that drove free, my free tuition when you're in free tuition for, hey. for poor Christian. So Her. the position opened up and... Um, you know, Portland Christian has had a tremendous history in athletics. Um, they've won they won 15 state championships in 16 years and, in various sports. And so as an athletic director, that was a move that I thought, wow, this is going to be great going into a, a great athletic community and a supportive community. Hmm. So you, you jump back into the Christian coaching space, right, for a Christian school, private school. Uh the question I always like to ask someone who's coaching kind of from a position of faith, mm-hmm. right? How do you effectively balance your faith at the same time just developing tough players? Yeah. You know, it's a challenge, but at the same time, um, there's nothing that says we can't be tough players or, or you know, be hard-nosed and hard workers. And, and, um, can you yell at them? Oh, yeah, you can yell at them. Okay. Yes, you can. Um, I, I equate it to this, and, and basketball is by no means work, right? It's fun. It's a game. It's enjoyable. But I equate it to work with my kids to try and get the buy-in. And uh, my father was the grittiest, hardest working man alive that I know. And uh, he, he was a logger. And just that dr- drives the way I coach. Like I try and get my kids to buy into that tough, nose, hard, gritty commitment. It's a challenge in a in now a, a more of an urban metro community to relate uh logging stories <laughs> to city kids but you what know is, what is that coach? <laughs> <laughs> but uh we're trying yeah fair enough so one of the other hats you wear is the vp here at the oada yes, um, you've been on the board now for three years mm-hmm. i've learned a lot you kind of work your way up and next yep. year you'll be the president yep Talk a little bit about that. You know, for someone who's not familiar, what does it mean to be on the board of an athletic director association for a state? Uh, what are some of the job functions you have within that role? Yeah, so this year, um, as the vice president, we we plan. I plan the conference, or, or at least help with uh, getting speakers, organizing the the event, and, and really laying out the plan for that conference. Um, but really, our associations really try and leadership within athletic directors across the state. What can we do to promote that? Uh, keep athletic directors growing and getting better, and you know that's our end game. We have this conference to help solidify some of those things, but our end game as an association is how do we grow leaders within the athletic director world so that they can in turn grow kids. Hmm. Yeah. All right. I said this during uh, my talk this morning with the entire athletic director, uh, all of them here up in Oregon. I've never come across someone as proactive and as detail-oriented as you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I mean, we you reached out to me about coordinating this. I mean, almost a year out. Yeah. yeah. Right. And when I found out I was in charge of the conference, I needed to find a speaker. <laughs> I mean, that was just incredible. I mean, is that is that part of just who you've always been? You know. Or did you develop? Yes that? and no. I mean, I, again, uh, 
I attribute a lot of those qualities back to my father and in learning from him on how to be proactive and how to think ahead and and kind of get things in line prior to you know so you're not scrambling at any moment um, but I've learned that as an athletic director just through my experiences like you have to be working weeks months in advance sometimes uh, otherwise you're gonna you're gonna drown mm. and so um, being that this is a voluntary position and this is with the OADA is, is something that, you know, we choose to do. I, I knew that I had to coordinate, organize well in advance or I would get lost later. So, I mean, your dad, uh, yeah. is your dad still around? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, sir. He's got to be proud of the hardworking nature from you. I hope so. Right. I mean, coaching, <laughs> athletic director. You've got four kids now. Yes, sir. Right. You and TJ share that in common. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Y'all are crazy. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if you know, in my opinion. Very much. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, VP of this. You also said you're on the board of the uh, basketball association yep. here in Oregon. So you got a lot going on. I want to give a shout out to Sam Allen. Sam Allen, uh, in one of the episodes, uh, you said something that Coach Cowan kind of held on to about swallowing the frog. Yes. All right, yep. that came from Sam, I, I believe. Okay. All right, that uh, you actually shared that today. That's that's become something that you now do. Yep. Swallowing the frog, doing, doing the tougher things early in the try day. to do. Try to not always <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but trying to and. Um, so shout out to that. Well, listen, Kyle, thank you so much for the opportunity yep. to be here. Thank you for being on the show. Thank you thank for you being here. Yeah, yeah, no, my pleasure. Thank you for listening for all these years and supporting the hustle. And uh, best of luck to you as you continue on. And uh, you've got to knock off Gary Hall next year. This guy, I'm going to work on it. Yeah, you've yep. got to you got to yep. do that. All right. I got and, a ladder uh, to climb, but I'll get there. <laughs> listen, appreciate it so much. Listen, I'm Adam. Uh, normally alongside TJ together, we are the Hardwood Hustle. Until next time, we're out.